Our sermon today comes from Luke chapter 19. So hear now the reading of God's word. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they all saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Let's pray as we approach this text. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to gather here this morning. Um, We thank you for this story of Zacchaeus. We pray that you speak through it mightily to us this morning, that we might see your glory um, uh, better and better um, at the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On Christmas Day 2009, I flew across the country with a very important object in my pocket. A few weeks before that, I had been sitting on my grandmother's couch and telling her that I was going to propose to my then-girlfriend, Krista, and uh, I was surprising her by flying across the country on Christmas Day. Uh, I was in Colorado, and she was in Connecticut, Um, and uh, this conversation with my grandma, this isn't like a 30 to 60 second conversation, this is more like a 30 to 60 minute conversation. And she's asking me all about it. And at the end of it, she goes into her bedroom and she comes out with a little jewelry box and says, David, I've been widowed for six years now. And I think that this ring would be a great blessing to you and Krista. And I was, I was floored. You know, this is a beautiful ring. Uh, she had been married for 57 years. And this ring has served her faithfully that entire time. And... Uh, all the sentimentality that was wrapped up into their story, um, not to mention the financial assistance that it also helped me with. But, um, you know, it was really, really cool, um, you know, thinking about the, the hope for the future and the sentimentality of the past and uh, just the celebration of the present. Um, really, really wonderful gift. Um, uh, zoom forward a little bit. I surprised my uh, girlfriend uh, and Dropped down on a knee, snowy New England day, outside her front door. Um, she said yes, and uh, I, I slid that ring right over her knuckles. I guess knuckle. Um, and uh, the next day, you know, we go in, we celebrate with her, with her uh, parents right after that. And then the next day, we're out running a few errands on uh, December 26th. And one of the places that we ended up was Michael's. You, go, you know Michael's, the, the arts, you know, the craft supply store. Um, pretty big store. Not huge like Walmart, but, uh, you know, warehouse type of a building. And uh, 
we go through the store, we, we get the things that we need, and we get up to the cashier. Um, and uh, as I remember, she, Krista um, turns to me, and she is whiter than the snow outside, and she says, the ring, I lost it. Okay? Um, less than 24 hours have gone by <laughs> since this ring has been on her finger, and, um, you know, I guess it was just sized up too big, but the ring was lost. I recruited an army of people. Okay, I got, I got on the loudspeaker at, at Michael's, and I'm like, you know, we're searching high, we're searching low, and the thing about Michael's is that there's about a million objects that are about this size, right? Um, and we can't find this ring anywhere. The ring was lost. The Bible, too, speaks of lostness. Um, in the Old Testament, there is the lost sheep um, that, uh, that God says he will go after. There, uh, in, in the New Testament, there is the lost coin. Um, there is the lost sheep. There is the two lost brothers, uh, otherwise known as the prodigal son. Um, why all this development of the theme of lostness? And, and here's the answer. Is that each of us, everybody, suffers from the chronic disease of lostness. Everybody suffers from the chronic disease of lostness. Uh, we didn't know that a decision 10 or 15 years ago could have put that relationship in the place that it is today. Um, we didn't know that um, uh, cutting a certain corner would lead to uh, that business transaction later on. Uh, or, or all sorts of ways that I can think of on campus at University of Washington uh, where we culturally and individually have become lost. Like sheep just going from tuft to tuft to tuft. Finally we look up and we realize that we don't know where we are. We all suffer from the chronic disease of lostness. We come to this Zacchaeus passage in Luke 19, a, a story that is pretty familiar to anybody that has been at least raised in or near the church. Okay, The story of a wee little man who climbs up into a sycamore tree um, for the Lord he wanted to see. Right, um, And uh, I think sometimes... And that's wonderful that it's in so many children's storybooks. Um, and it's a great story to, to communicate to our next generation. But I think sometimes we just leave it there. And we say, you know what? This is a wee little story about a wee little man. Um, and a cute little story to tell wee little people. But let me tell you that this is anything but a wee little story in the Gospel of Luke. Okay? Um, this is a... V Up until Jesus enters Jerusalem... This is like the climax of the Gospel of Luke. All, right? all of these themes, it's almost like we're in a theater, um, and you know those big spotlights that, that, um, that spotlight the person up front, um, that draw attention towards the person up front? It's almost like we have four big spotlights coming in on this passage. All right? These thematic elements, um, there is elements of lost and found, which we're highlighting this morning. There's elements of hospitality and doors being shut in your face. There's elements of rejoicing and grumbling. Um, there's elements of, uh, of rich and poor. And all these big spotlights are coming in uh, throughout the Gospel of Luke. But then they all culminate right here in the Gospel, uh, in this story of Zacchaeus. This is anything but a wee little story. Um, 
The Gospel of Luke can be divided into three main sections. The first nine chapters, Jesus is doing his ministry in Galilee. He's starting his ministry up north in Galilee. In chapter 9, he sets his face towards Jerusalem. The next ten chapters, from 10 to 19, he is on his way to Jerusalem. And then in chapter 20, he enters into Jerusalem. And those last few chapters are about his uh, passion, his death um, and resurrection uh, and a few uh, events right after that. Okay, This story of Zacchaeus fits at the crux, uh, uh, the hinge point, right between the, section, uh, the second and the third section. Okay? Uh, Luke, again, like, literarily, Luke is saying, pay attention to this story. Don't miss this story. A lot hinges on this story. It teaches us a lot about who Jesus is. You following with me? Okay, today we're going to look at this in three sections. Um, first, Jesus seeks sinners. Second, Jesus stays with sinners. And third, Jesus saves sinners. Pretty simple, but incredibly profound. Okay? Jesus seeks sinners. Jesus stays with sinners. Jesus saves sinners. Uh, Who was Zacchaeus? Nowhere else in the Bible do we have any other information about Zacchaeus. We can't look to Matthew. We can't look to Mark. We can't look to John. Uh, the only information that we have about Zacchaeus is in these ten, chap- uh, these ten verses that we just read. Uh, there is a little bit of extra biblical material that we can dr- pull from to teach us about tax collectors and about Jericho, where the story takes place, but nothing specifically written about Zacchaeus. All right. This is the place. We do get a good bit of information right here in these ten verses. Um, and I want to highlight two things. There's a few things that we can highlight, but I want to highlight two things. One, he was a chief tax collector, an, an arch tax collector. All right? uh, lots of tax collectors in the Bible, um, including in the Gospel of Luke. All right? um, uh, nowhere else in the Bible do we have an arch tax collector, a chief tax collector. Zacchaeus is the only one described that way. Okay? Um, an important thing here to know is about the tax farm system uh, that, would ta- that would have taken place in the Roman provinces that they had under their control. All right? So here's what they did is um, they occupy the territory and they want their money. Right? They want people to give them uh, their due pay. Uh, but that can create some ill will and some tension and so here's what they do. They, they're like, you know what? Um, do any of you Jewish people want to collect the taxes for us? Um, and a few Jewish people are saying, hey, there might be some money in that. Like, it might be a lucrative type of a job. Um, and so Zacchaeus, amongst others, raises his hand and says, uh, I'll, what, are you, like, what are you asking? And what they say is, you know what? All right, you give us a big lump sum up front, and then after that, psh, do what you want. All right? We won't have any other like, regulations, any oversight. Um, this system was set up for bribery and for corruption and for extortion. Um, Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, puts his money into to Rome, and then he has free reign to operate his system how he wants. So here's what happens. Nobody likes Zacchaeus, right? 
Nobody likes Zacchaeus. The Jesus story of the Bible says he is the man with no friends, right? No, not one. Um, he is, he's gone, like, you know, it's almost like he's a two-headed monster. He's like Darth Vader who's gone over to the dark side, okay? But he's also like Bernie Madoff stealing our money, okay? So, like, this is like a vicious creature here, okay? Um, nobody, nobody likes Zacchaeus, um, and he was rich, right? Like he is, he's living a, a, a lucrative, um, the text tells us that he was rich, right? Um, yeah, uh, here's the thing about Luke and his gospel, okay? Luke chapter 5, various places throughout, the, throughout his gospel, um, he, he includes tax collectors into his story, right? And if you're familiar with this, you know that Jesus um, approaches these tax collectors, and befriends them, right? Um, he actually reads... Things, things in the Gospel of Luke turn out well for tax collectors, all right? In terms of their relationship with Jesus, all right? Like, he, he, they are able to be friends with Jesus at the end of the Gospel. Okay, so here's one, one bit of information that is, that is pulling us this way. Here's another bit of information that's pulling us this way. Things oftentimes don't turn out so well for the rich people in Luke's gospel. Okay? Um, the rich young ruler in the chapter just before this chapter, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, he ends up walking away sad because he had great possessions, right? Um, uh, there are some people who are rich in Luke's gospel that things don't turn out so well. So Luke is setting this up for a, like this pull, right? Like, He's creating this tension for us, like this rubber band that's being pulled in two different directions. All right? Things turn out well for tax collectors. Things don't turn out for rich people. What's going to happen to Zacchaeus? He's both. All right? um, and here is the answer. Jesus seeks him. Jesus seeks Zacchaeus. He's walking along the road, and he looks up, and he calls him by name. Okay, now this might not jump out of the page right at first, but as far as we know, Jesus has never interacted with Zacchaeus before. But he looks up and he calls him by name. All right? Names are important to Jesus. Names are important to God. Um, uh, he says, you are, I have called you my name, you are mine. In Isaiah 43. Okay? Um, he looks up at Zacchaeus and says... Come down, I'm going to your house today. Right? Jesus goes after Zacchaeus. He seeks sinners. He seeks Zacchaeus. I uh, have a chance to go to campus um, uh, every day at UW. And um, it's a big campus, 48,000 students uh, with tens of thousands of other people, staff, administration, restaurants, other services. Right there, it's a medium-sized city just uh, in that little corner of Seattle. Um, and the funny thing about it is, you know, 48,000 students, you know the number of centers on campus? 48,000, right? Yeah, incredible. I've tried to revert the numbers, but it just keeps, you know, sin just keeps cropping up. Um, but, uh, you know, here's the thing is, like, I love my job, um, I, I try to embody the compassion that Jesus has for sinners. Um, I don't do it perfectly. 
Um, sometimes I don't even do it well, okay? But I, I love being on campus and trying to be a living parable of what it means to be Jesus in the lives of students on campus. Um, uh, so much that they have in common with Zacchaeus, um, career aspirations, um, pushing forward loneliness, um, chronic anxiety and loneliness that they have on campus. I, I love reaching into campus um, uh, and, and having a heart of Jesus into the lives of students. Jesus seeks sinners. What does this mean for you? Um, well, two things. One uh, is that you are a sinner and Jesus has sought you, okay? He has come after you. He is coming after you. Um, but two, you get to go after sinners yourself. Um, you get to have communion with the saints who are also sinners. You get to go after other people who are not yet Christians. Um, that Jesus seeks sinners and so we get to as well. Um, but let's, let's press on a little bit further here. Jesus seeks sinners um, Jesus also stays with sinners. Let me reread verses 5 through 8 for us. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they all saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Um, Jesus stays with sinners. Uh, right after I graduated from high school, and I won't tell you how long ago that was, but I uh, took this awesome road trip. Um, I was in Georgia, and a, a friend and I took like a 20-something day road trip. We drove thousands of miles in every direction. Um, I guess you can't go too far east from Georgia, but you know, um, made it out to California and, uh, and all the way back, and uh, it was a wonderful trip. Being responsible 18-year-olds, we came up with a budget, okay? Um, and uh, in this budget, we included food, which was really important to us, um, and golf, which we both love to play. Okay? Somehow, in our oversight, um, we forgot the budgetary item, small one, of lodging. Okay? You know, just wasn't really important, I guess. Um, so we're staying for you know, 20 plus days with friends or friends of friends. Um, in at least a couple cases, friends of friends of friends, all right? Um, and uh, this was before smartphones, um, and when we would get into a city, uh, we would call home, and I remember my mom saying, where are you staying tonight, all right? Um, you know, you're in San Francisco, where are you going to stay? Uh, and her, her requirements were, it has to be clean, and it has to be safe, all right? Please stay somewhere that is clean, and please stay somewhere that is safe. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and he says, you know, by Jewish law, Zacchaeus, you are unclean. You are also very unsafe. But I am going to stay with you today. Right? Uh, in God's economy, uh, it doesn't quite work the same way. Right? Um, uh, tax collectors were ceremonially unclean. If you came in contact with a tax collector, um, if you went into a tax collector's home, you would have to go through this ritual purification uh, for days afterwards. Uh, you couldn't enter into the temple. There's various things that you could or couldn't do. Right? Um, Zacchaeus was unclean, and in the minds of most people, he was very unsafe. But Jesus goes in and stays with Zacchaeus. Um, 
And beyond that, it is actually a divine necessity. Jesus tells him, I must stay at your house today. Right? This is, um, this is a divine imperative. Uh, he has to do it. You know, just like he had to go through Samaria in John chapter 4. Uh, it was his divine prerogative. I must stay at your house today. And I just imagine Jesus walking into Zacchaeus' house. We don't have this in the text. I wish we had a little bit more information here. Um, uh, and Jesus is like, hey, this is a pretty nice place. Uh, what do you do for a living? Um, and he's like, well, I'm a, I'm a tax collector. I was like, oh, that seems to be going pretty well for you. Are you, um, are you treating people fairly? And Zacchaeus probably like mumbles or mutters or, you know, uh, I don't know exactly what that interaction looked like. But here's what we do know is that Zacchaeus stood up. The text tells us that he stood, which means um, with a little mirror reading that he was seated and likely that he was reclined at table with Jesus, all right? That they shared a meal together um, and in so doing created a covenant, um, this intimate, close, um, yeah, inner circle type of relationship uh, between the two. Back then, you wouldn't go out to restaurants. You didn't eat really with like your external, like, you know, all the people out there. Uh, you would eat with the people who you loved and who you were with all the time, right? Um, this was covenant formation. Um, and so Jesus is entering into this with Zacchaeus. Uh, he stays with him. And at some point, he stands up. Now, um, I think here is the important part for us to hear, is that during that conversation, and like I said, I wish we had more information here, but during that conversation, Jesus at some point exposes Zacchaeus to his own lostness, right? Um, He exposes Zacchaeus to his lostness because then he stands up. Um, We don't have this like proclamation of faith from Zacchaeus. Uh, We don't say like, Lord Jesus, you are, you know, God of creation and also, you know, God of redemption. Um, uh, or, you, you know, we proclaim. But what we do have is we have demonstration of repentance. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Okay? Um, he is demonstrating his repentance and thus his faith in Jesus. Um, he is being exposed to his lostness. And here's, here's a question for you. Are you open to Jesus exposing your lostness? If, if sin is deceiving, okay, and if sin is blinding, then we need something outside of ourselves to expose our own lostness to us. Does that make sense? Um, this happens on Sunday mornings uh, when we gather together in corporate worship. This happens... Um, as we read God's word, um, as we examine our own hearts in silent meditation, um, uh, various contexts that this happens, but are you open to Jesus exposing your lostness as Zacchaeus was exposed to back here in Luke chapter 19? Um, We have the Israelites here grumbling. Uh, Zacchaeus is rejoicing and the Israelites... uh, I'm I'm sorry... um, the Pharisees and others are grumbling, right? Uh, direct reference back to the Israelites, um, where as after they have been rescued and, and you know, the exodus has happened and they're wandering in the desert, they are grumbling. They are, they are a living parable of lostness wandering through the desert, 
right? But they are blind to it in their grumbling. Okay. Um, okay, Jesus seeks sinners. Jesus stays with sinners. Jesus also saves sinners. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Um, this is one of the most profound statements in the, in the Bible, really. Uh, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Um, <clears throat> son of Abraham. What does it mean to be a son of Abraham? This is the Jewish hope. This is the, the plan of redemption. That God has picked out Abraham back in Genesis 12. He has blessed him. He has set him apart. That they are going to be a blessing to all nations. Okay? Um, this is the plan of salvation. To be a son or a daughter of Abraham. And here is Zacchaeus who is ostracized from his own community. And Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Uh, how is he a son of Abraham? Yes, he was Jewish by birth, but this is not a biological ancestry. Um, this is a spiritual ancestry. This is placing your faith into Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right? Um, the same was true for Zacchaeus as it is for us today, uh, that we become sons and daughters of Abraham, not by being some sort of biological heir to Abraham, uh, but by having a spiritual um, uh, union with Abraham through Jesus as the culmination of the messianic hope through the Old Testament. That's what it means to be the son and daughter of Abraham. Are you united to Christ? Are you in a relationship with God through the mediator, the only mediator, Jesus Christ? Jesus saves sinners. Uh, and, and Zacchaeus demonstrates his repentance. Now, he might not have been a practicing Jew, but he knew his Old Testament, okay? Um, he knew that in Exodus 22 and 1 Samuel 12, that if you stole something, you would have to restore it fourfold. All right, so if somebody took a sheep, then you have to give them four sheep back. All right, this is restitution, okay? Um, that there are certain protocols. And here, Zacchaeus knows what he has to do, and he does it. All right, so whatever he stole from people, he gives it back fourfold. But then, even on top of that, what he does is he gives away half of his net worth, which would have been a lot. All right, Zacchaeus was rich. He was a chief tax collector and he gave away half. He gave away 50% of his, uh, of his everything, right? He goes well above and beyond what he had to do. And this is, um, he, he's repenting, all right? He is turning away from sin unto God, all right? Um, he's, not, he's not turning from disobedience to obedience. He's turning from disobedience unto God. God, um, uh, as demonstrated in Jesus. Okay, here's the here's the thing: is liberation for Zacchaeus. Um, liberation for Zacchaeus meant delighting in God's law. That's really really cool if you think about it. Okay, um, liberation for him wasn't like God, you've given us so many rules, and now we feel more shackled and more like weighed down. Like, why do you, like, 
Why do you tell me I can't do this or I can't do that? Um, why are there constraints placed upon me? Right? But f- true freedom isn't the absence of restriction. It's the presence of the right restrictions. Right? Um, and so Zacchaeus here is delighting in the restrictions that God has placed upon him. He's delighting in God's law, knowing that grace has come before the law. Um, and how does he respond? He responds in radical generosity. If, if we knew just an ounce of the measure of God's grace for us, uh, our lives would be filled with radical generosity. Um, uh, we, and this you know, has looked differently during COVID, but um, uh, I am convinced that hospitality and radical generosity are going to be the best evangelistic tools for the church in the next decade. Um, we love opening our doors to students coming into our house. Um, we have been thrilled to invite uh, uh, dozens, maybe, hundred, maybe hundreds of students into our home for meals. Um, and uh, this, again, this is hopefully demonstrating um, some sort of generosity towards them that embo- um, what Zacchaeus and ultimately Jesus is all about. Uh, I'm reminded of John Newton's great hymn, which I love that this is sung both in Christian circles and secular circles. Um, But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Um, I I just wonder, like, Zacchaeus could could have sung that exact same verse, right? I once was lost, but now... I am found. After doing everything we could in Michael's, uh, looked everywhere, no ring, uh, we left our phone number with the manager, and uh, we are sad, dejected, um, in despair, walk out into the snowy parking lot um, and open the door of my uh, father-in-law's pickup truck, and... um, Kind of the, the floorboard underneath the brake, there's just a little bit of a sparkle. Um, there's a little bit of a, 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 a you know, a shimmer, a, a shine uh, that catches our eyes. And uh, sure enough, there was the ring um, that had fallen off Krista's finger and onto the floorboard of the truck. All right? Um, whew! <laughs> what, <laughs> what relief, right? What joy, um, what celebration, uh, what excitement we had for this ring, right? This prized possession. Ultimately, that ring is just an inanimate object. Uh, It's just a thing amongst other things, right? Yes, there is significance and meaning and value to it, and and I don't want to diminish the the value of rings uh, in their symbolism, but ultimately, it's just a thing. How much more does God celebrate when one lost sinner comes to faith? Right? Um, how much are the angels rejoicing when one person comes to a saving knowledge of God? Um, it is unfathomable um, how much uh, joy and celebration and excitement is happening. Um, yeah. Uh, Jesus um, 
is on the road to Jerusalem to the most climactic event in human history. All right? um, and he stops in Jericho for a sinner like Zacchaeus that nobody liked. Um, and he takes time aside uh, in order to seek Zacchaeus, in order to stay with him, and in order to save him. And that is good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage um, that Zacchaeus, uh, that you have captured through Luke's hand here in the story of Zacchaeus. Um, uh, We thank you that you are a Lord who comes after us with uh, relentless compassion, that you seek us despite our sin, uh, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Um, We thank you for staying with us um, despite our grumbling and despite our turning our backs on you. Um, We thank you for sticking it out with us, for staying with us. And we thank you for saving us, uh, for sinners, uh, for a a wretch like me. Um, uh, That it is our faith in in the object of Christ um, and not in the strength of our faith that saves us, uh, that we are able to be called sons and daughters of Abraham. We pray that we would live uh, with radical generosity, um, knowing that you are the giver of all good things. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.